0: Hey guys, Chris Selly from DP. We have an awesome new season just about to drop, but before that, check out our new home over at CastBox. You can find us by searching Daft Picks over on CastBox. One more time, that's castbox.fm and just search up DaftPix. Then, bring her right back here for Season 4. From everyone here at the show, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Ooh, what's going on everyone? Daft Picks Season 4, Episode 1. Alongside me today, I have Parker. Uh, our producer here, thanks for tuning in. Sorry, minutes. producer Parker, and we have Kevin. Hello, hello. He was on our last show. Uh, a lot of news today. We'll start with the most obvious one, which is Mike Babcock getting fired. Parker, you had some real thoughts on this, right?
1: I mean, part of me wants to be a little bit surprised because we sort of live in that little bubble where, from like five, six, seven, eight years ago, where everyone still thinks that Mike <laughs> Babcock is the best coach in the NHL. But, like, looking at the Leafs right now, is that really the case? Like, is he just uh, washed up now? Like, does he just not know how to play players anymore? Because I noticed, like, with him, he's very stubborn with uh, line matchups and stuff like that. And it it sort of makes me think, like, was he really that good with the Red
0: Wings? I mean, I feel like any coach in that situation with uh, Steve Iserman, Nick Lidstrom, could, I mean, they, they could have succeeded. Let's uh, also, Henrik
1: Zenerberg, Pavel Datsuk, Nicholas Cronwall.
0: Right. And let's also not forget a big knock on Babcock this season in particular is his whole mantra has been, well, the tie goes to the veteran in terms of ice time. And this season, Jason Spezza has not gotten into many games, even though he's, he, had, he had two points the other night in a game. That's as many points as Nick Shore, who has been replacing him, has had all season in 20 games. And if you remember right, Mike Babcock benched Mike Medano on the last day of the final season and his contract for his 1,500th game. He didn't get to play it. So he sits at 1,499 because of Mike Babcock. So he's he's not exactly friendly to some veteran guys. And that was a big knock.
1: Yeah, it's like... Mike Babcock confuses me because I remember when he first got hired by the Maple Leafs and they were sort of touting him as the franchise savior. And to his credit, he did. while it was really the GM. He was still able to develop a lot of younger players and get them to compete at a high level. But at the same time, with having that many players on the team, you're kind of expected to be good.
0: Well, you look to at the way Mike Babcock coaches. You know, he's always coached a winner. He coached the Ducks in 03, and J.S. Jaguar really helped out his sort of persona in the media. He goes and coaches the Red Wings, and then he gets to coach the Leafs, his hometown team. Well, relatively speaking, he's hometown team, and he doesn't have much for the first few seasons, implements a lot of great like, core issues there, has a new culture change, essentially, and it doesn't seem like the players are buying in anymore, and that, I think that's why the change needed to happen.
1: I feel like the problem with Mike Babcock is that he puts too much trust in his veterans rather than the players that are skilled. And I feel like that was why he was very successful with the Red Wings because a lot of the veterans, they had um, Steve Iserman, Pavel Datsyuk, Kenrick Zetterberg, Nicholas Lindstrom. The thing is, is that not only were they the veteran players that were upwards of like 30-plus years old, but they were also their best players too.
0: Well, I mean, Nick Lindstrom was winning the North at 35.
1: Yeah, that's like... The only player I can think of that's similar to that is like Mark Giordano. Last year, he won it in, what, 34, 35? Yeah, he's
0: the Uh, only other player in recent memory.
1: Yeah, so it's like, I feel like it's something like that. And it's like the Red, I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, Maple Leafs are a very young team. So I feel like he's more, he didn't know how to play the young players because he's more used to playing the veterans in their place than developing the young players. Even though the young players right now are like uh, Mitch Marner, um, Austin Matthews, Kasperi Kapanen, Nylander. nealander they're done developing. They should be getting 22, 23 minutes
0: of ice time, not 16, 17. And another thing comes back to his hesitancy in the past couple seasons to give the backup goalie any easy games. Like last season with Curtis McElhinney, it was a tough situation because he played every. He, he, he was so successful even though he played only on back to backs. They didn't rest Anderson at all. And you see how much of a toll it took on him. This year, he's headed down the same path. And the only games Babcock gave Hutchinson were back-to-back games. And that's very tough to get into cold. Not to mention, he fails to play players who he doesn't like. Like, once you get in the Babcock bad zone, you don't come out. Justin Hole last season, only played like 10, 15 games. Josh Levo, by the time Babcock actually did start using him, got lost on waivers. This is just more of the same from him.
2: I think one of the most surprising things about the firing is just the timing of it. I mean, it's not even December yet, and he still has a massive contract left, right?
0: Yeah, it's only the fifth year of an eight-year contract.
2: So, I mean, just the timing is just really weird. I mean, forget the brand name behind it. Just I mean, I'm not that familiar with hockey, but I feel like the season just started. I mean, this seems like a desperation move for a team that had cup aspirations at the start of the year.
1: Yeah, let's go off what Kevin said. I mean, again, when Mike Babcock was first hired by the Maple Leafs, he was being hailed as already, like before anything happened, as the franchise savior. Here's the guy that's going to lead us to a Stanley Cup. Here's the guy who we're going to build a statue for no matter what he does because he's going to get us there.
2: Do first round and, ends to get you statues. And, 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 and yeah. it seems
1: like, I mean, honestly, it seems like eventually they're going to get to a Stanley Cup anyways. And they're still going to be credit given to Mike Babcock because of The team that's playing today is leagues ahead of where they were five years ago.
0: Well, I think the most interesting thing is, if I'm going to give a quote here, they started playing in the parade route, but I think they forgot the road to get there, if if you will. Um, Realistically, you look at how they fared in the playoffs under Babcock. There's not much he could really do about their second best center, getting kicked out for two straight seasons in the playoffs. Dawson Calder getting suspended really screwed the team both years. However, if you employ your depth like they're supposed to be, those players will learn how to step up in those situations. When you don't use that depth, they don't know how to play there. So that's definitely a look at him. And another thing is, Dubis, when he took over, had it written into his contract that he could fire Mike Babcock at any time. He didn't need permission from the board or Shanahan. He gave Mike Babcock a year since Lou Emerald left. Didn't work out. It's his right, right?
1: So what makes you wonder, was Mike Babcock hired just for a culture change?
0: It's really tough to say because, because that is, culture was bad. So It's
1: like, is Mike Babcock as good as everyone says he is? Like, I wouldn't call him, I wouldn't even put him in the top three of coaching anymore. Like, I, like, I would put Joel Quenville and at number one, is Mike Babcock?
0: Well, and this is a retread league. I saw that in a quote from, I think it was ESPN, that coaches get used over and over again. So Mike Babcock will land somewhere. The thought is Seattle's going to hire him with the team that they've already That's built there.
1: Thought. So this might sound crazy, but I feel like he would do a very good job with the Chicago Blackhawks because... It kind of reminds me of that Detroit team. You have Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook. You have all these older players who are in their either early to mid-30s. And Mike Babcock loves those veteran players that are still the best players on their team, almost exactly like that Detroit Red Wings team.
0: Well, the thing with a team like Chicago is those players aren't very good anymore, though. Unlike the Red Wings, hear me out. Unlike the Red Wings, you can't honestly say that there's anybody on that blue line comparable to Lidstrom. Of course, it's a hard thing to live up to. But the only player there that's about to be 30 or is 30 that's still the same is Patrick Kane. He's still one of the top 10 players in the NHL. Jonathan Taves was taking quite a hit skill-wise. He's still an elite center, but he's starting to wave. Well, the thing is with Jonathan Taves, like he put up
1: season highs in points last year. And that's not something that I'm willing really to take away from him. That quickly, especially considering, I believe, a lot of the time he was on the same line as DeBrinket.
0: Yeah, well, again, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, look at the young players they have right now, like DeBrinket. Saad is still young-ish. Strom. Yeah, Dylan Strom. I mean, Boquist. They have a lot of players that are younger. I mean, and again, Jonathan Hayes, like I said, is still elite. But that blue line, Duncan Keith is not very good anymore. He's not bad, but he's more of a top-four guy now. Brent Seabrook wouldn't be a top-four defenseman in the AHL at this very moment because he's just not that good. He doesn't have the speed, or honestly, he's, he's just way too injured. I don't think there's a way that you, like, I know you're only using it as an example, but I think for Mike Babcock to succeed, he has to have a clean slate. Get what guys you want, not guys you're given. And that's why I think Seattle works out best. He gets to help determine who is around him.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's going to be a very interesting situation with Seattle, especially considering the recent success we've seen with the Golden Knights and Gerard Gallant which I still think is absolutely inexcusable that the Panthers fired him. But, I mean, in the long run, they ended up getting Joel Quenville, so, I mean, like, it's kind of like...
0: I think uh, it's a wash. Uh, it's like... I think Joel Quenville is probably the best coach in the NHL right now, so I think it's fair. Another thing with this whole Leafs situation is the new coach. If you didn't know, it is Sheldon Keefe. He coached the Marlies for the past three or four seasons. He got them the, the Calder Cup. They're on pace, I think, to do it again potentially. Yeah, and a lot of the younger Leafs right now, like uh, Marner
1: and Nylander and stuff, they played under Keefe when they were still in the
0: AHL with the Marlies. Marner did not. Marner and Matthews did not. Nylander did. Players like Kasper Kapanen, William Nylander, guys like Timothy Lilligren, who's there, Rasmus Sandine, those guys did. Marner and Matthews. Were in well,
1: I didn't. I didn't say Matthews. I
0: said Marner. Well, I, I. was. I'm just well, saying because like Marner was yeah, in the I didn't, CH.
1: I didn't know that about Marner because I thought he he went, the went AHL back to London like after
0: his draft class and then he came straight to the NHL.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew he got sent back, but I thought it was to the AHL. Not
0: yeah, no. He was Oops, still CHL. But regardless, I see your. Yes, your point. But the thing is, he has a connection to Dubis from the Sioux Greyhounds, which they both had some sort of managerial role, in. I don't know exactly what they were. But you're talking, that's like six, seven years now, I believe. So they have a relationship from Sue, And I believe they won the MasterCard, Memorial Cup, or whatever the CHL equivalent is.
1: Yeah, and then the AHL, the Marlies won the Calder.
0: Right, yeah. And
1: they've also been one of the better, if not the best team in the AHL for the past four years.
0: He has a 660 win percentage in the past two years, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's wild. And now he's got a now he's got a, a good roster to take over. Um, I saw a quote today. I honestly don't remember from who, but it said most coaches in this situation take over a bad team with bad players. He's getting a good team. I think it was from Steve Dangle on Sportsnet said that, and it's true. He's getting a good situation to come into.
2: And I mean, the Leafs are floundering right now. They've lost what five, six in a row, something like that. Six straight, yeah. Yeah, and, and they recently
1: got thumped by some team. I forget who it was. Pittsburgh, six to one. Oh yeah,
2: against a team that has like. Five players, no Crosby,
1: (laughs) and no Crosby.
2: And sometimes, if you just have you know struggling veterans, and I mean, it's not like they haven't given him time. Like this is his fifth year, right? And uh he has nothing to show for it except first round exits. And you know, sometimes you just need a need a different voice to hear. And I think this might be the way.
1: Yeah. Again, to his credit, he did to bring the Leafs out from a really bad spot. We should give him a lot of credit for that. But at the end of the day, if just getting first round. Playoff boots from the same team in the same way. (laughs) Boston Bruins, seven games. Something has to change. Question
2: to you guys. Would it be as surprising as a fire if it was a different name? Well, Because if you have this this roster with these results and you have a different name, would you be as
0: surprised? I'm going to say no because I think, Mike Babcock, you know what you're getting. I think there was sort of a feeling. There was a rumor. It may last year they were thinking about firing him, but they didn't. If you take any other coach, aside from like the top three, that name recognition doesn't really matter because it's probably a different style. Mike Babcock has this sort of in-your-face-it's-my-way-or-you're-sitting kind of style. So it's that's surprising, honestly, to me at least.
1: No, that Toronto media is unrelenting.
0: That's a, point, a word. After a point, it doesn't matter who you are. It'll be a situation to watch. There's been talk that Sheldon Keefe is going to take over for some time. It wasn't a very surprising pickup. I think everybody knew he was going to inherit the team. Now we'll see what he can get out of the team. That's a different story. Because they are still, I think, Kevin, you pulled up the record as 9-10, and 10, right? Mm-hmm. And an overtime loss or, or two. That's pretty impressive that they're that bad. So I really, it's going to be hard to be that bad going forward. The other situation that is worth monitoring are the other teams that are currently floundering, unless you had more thoughts on I mean,
1: that. I think I remember is that the NHL, I remember it was a couple years ago where Claude Julien was the longest-tenured coach in the NHL, and then he got canned by the Bruins. I mean, it's a league that has a lot of coaching turnover. It sort of gets to a point where it's like, hey, if you're not you know doing anything, you're going to get axed, and now he's with the Canadians right now. Right now, the longest-tenured coach is John Cooper, and even with him, there's lots of talk of him being on the hot seat. So the NHL is kind of notorious for coaching turnover.
0: Well, they say an executive only lasts about five years. Like Their message after that grows tired. You see it all the time in football and, and, and soccer. Coaches and managers get canned every couple seasons because you need that inspiration in the dressing room. I think over here, aside from basketball, because you see a good amount of basketball turnover, like, NFL, Bill Belichick has been in New England for almost two decades, right? Uh, you but don't see that. But he's frequently. the
2: exception to the norm. Well, if you, like, even you just look around the league, you have Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, you have John Harbaugh with the Ravens. There's plenty of coaches There's in the P- NFL. P- Cor-
0: Pete Carroll, Carroll with, with, the, uh, with the Seahawks. Right. I mean, you see the longevity in the NFL. Even the MLB, you see guys who last. Not all the time, but you, like, look at how long Joe Maddon was in Chicago. In the NHL, it's such a turnover from the environment.
1: Yeah, because if you look at the Chicago Blackhawks and Los Angeles Kings, up to 2016, both those teams won. Like it, it was a point where they were winning a Stanley Cup. Every other year. Yeah, so it was like it would be the Kings, then the Blackhawks, and the Kings, and the Blackhawks, and then the Blackhawks again or something like that. And both those coaches, Daryl
0: Sutter... And Dave Lombardi. Oh, sorry, no, that's the GM. Sorry, yeah, that, that, that was the GM. He got fired too. But Daryl Sutter
1: and Dave Lombardi of the Kings, again, keep in mind, two cups in this in this five-year time period, and the other four
0: being the Blackhawks with Joel Quenville. and of course Bowman. They both, the three of them, get fired, but Bowman's not fired. Bowman will never get fired. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> that's what you get for being the son of a hockey legend. Yeah.
0: There are a couple teams that are still that are going to be in the same situation as the Leafs. Calgary is horrible. There's a report this morning that Johnny Gaudreau was in a trade offer that they declined. Like, could you imagine Johnny Gaudreau getting traded this time last year? That'd be a travesty. Oh, Which well. I did and, see. a And, pretty and
1: I can c- almost guarantee that there's also being trade offers being floated around for Sean Monahan and Jordano. I can almost guarantee y- it.
0: I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, the Flames have been awful. What's funny is the Ottawa Senators have not been. The Ottawa Senators are within one point of the Maple Leafs with their former assistant coach, DJ Smith.
1: DJ Smith was touted as a hot coaching hire. That could be a He was touted as a
0: high risk because that special teams last year was awful. Right, but
1: it was a high risk, high reward kind of thing. Which
0: I don't know if he's a good coach or if they're lucky. Like Ryan Zingell, or not sorry, J.G. Peugeot, sorry, is having the season of his life right now. He's got 20 points. He's I mean, a- I
1: remember when the Sanders made it to the East Conference Finals a couple years ago where he was on fire. He definitely has the potential to be that guy. Well, yeah. not the franchise guy, but one of the uh, other really good guys. I mean, I don't know if I you saw. I can't think him. of a word for that, but you know what I'm talking He's a great about. supporting cast member. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, I think that's what you're looking for. I don't know if you saw Brady Kachuk's goal last night in overtime. That was. It gives them reason to believe.
1: So you want about the Sanders, They don't have a lot of high-end talent. But they have a lot of prospects. Well, I'm sorry. They have like two, three high-round talent guys in Kachuk. Chabot. Chabot. Brandstrom. And, well, I was going to call him one of the prospect guys, but I was thinking Colin White.
0: Colin White yeah. is your high-end talent? hmm I would I say so. I don't know about that one. Verdi Kachuk, though, is definitely high-end.
1: Brady Chuck, I think, has the potential to be their franchise guy, especially now that Mark Stone is with the Golden Knights. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Which I think see. is a travesty yeah. that you know, he's there. I thought he was going to be their captain for forever.
0: He's got the talent. Another team that's sort of floundering right now, too, is Vancouver. After their 9-3 like, and three start, they are like 3-5 and five in the last 10 or something like that. On the topic of Vancouver, though, did you see that shot that, got, that hit Matt Calvert the other day?
1: Oh, is that the one that he got knocked out or something?
0: Yeah, so I don't know if uh, you saw this, Kevin. I have not. There was a, a video, Matt Calvert of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, see if you can pull up the video for him, Barker. He went to block a shot from Elias Pettersson. It hit him in the back of the skull. Oh, God. He went to the ice. He was bleeding. They did not stop the play. The team continued to play. Elias Pettersson from the Canucks stood there trying to get the play stop for the other team. The ref wouldn't blow it, and then the Canucks scored on them, and they <laughs> tied the game. And it was awful because after the game, McKinnon came out and called it a joke. Johnson called it a joke. Players from other teams like, I think it was Zach Warinsky, called it a joke because of how like the referee kept it going. The guys laying there on the ice bleeding. I mean, it was not a great situation to be in.
1: So what is it with these referees in just about every league that just suck? <laughs> for lack of There's got to be work. a mandate that nuts. you're terrible
0: to do that job. Like,
1: I feel like, how do you let that happen?
2: I don't remember what year it was, but whatever the year was where the NFL had the replacement refs. Oh, my God, and yeah. everybody, everybody was so angry about the replacement refs. And it seems that, like, ever since that year that the officiated not only in, like, the NFL but other sports, I know – the umpiring in, in the oh, World Series don't was, even get me started was, on the was umpires. Was a major was a major topic. The refs in the NBA Didn't have there, obviously wasn't been, there
0: a ref that got paid off by a team in, in the, the NBA? NBA?
2: Yeah, uh, not that I know of recently, but I mean, some of the calls, I mean, <laughs> they're so blatant that you can pretty much you can assume. But it's just the refereeing and just all four of the major sports have just been so bad recently.
0: Yeah, it's it's not great. That was a very bad situation. And of course, like I said, well, Matt Calvert ended up being okay, but it was still not great to watch.
1: It's like, can you imagine if that was like a big name player in like a playoff series?
0: The reactions to that would have been insane. That happened. I don't know if you remember, it was Leafs and Bruins, Jack Edwards, the Bruins announcer, who is not at all boisterous, I'd say sarcastically, he, I think it was like Captain or Nylander, got like a leg injury and couldn't get off the ice. And he's like, oh, he could have gotten up, though. This has happened, and this is why the NHL is broken. <laughs> there was two other incidents this week. Uh, the TJ Brody incident, he is recovering after having a seizure at practice. It happened last week. I don't know if we talked about it last week, though. But he is recovering, according to the GM. Uh, I think it's Brad Treliving said that he's expected to rejoin the team soon. But it's good news to hear that he's okay, at least. And the other situation was the Garnet Hathaway spitting incident. Did you see that? Garnet Hathaway of the Capitals, I think now, used to play for the Flames, and Eric and Branson from the Ducks got into it. Eric Branson gave him a little, like, bunny pop in the bottom of the chin, and G- <laughs> Hathaway spit on him. <laughs> and Hathaway got three games, and Branson got nothing. Because, again, the NHL is not, not great. Yeah, that's...
2: I mean, like kind of a segue, but like last week's Miles Garrett and uh, oh. <laughs> Mason Rudolph fight—that's a uh, regular occurrence in the NHL. And just look at the media storm that that created in the
0: NFL. Do we talk about that last week? Uh no, because it was Thursday night. Good call. So we are gonna let's deviate from the NHL for one second to get. Oh, okay.
1: I just remember this. I wanted to talk about before we move sections, but since we're talking about uh, hockey injuries and stuff, Ryan Strashnitsky. One of the Humboldt players Broncos. of the Humboldt Broncos took his first steps yesterday after being told he would be paralyzed and never walk again. So, feel good story.
0: Yeah, I can't believe that's uh, I, three years ago now, right? I mean,
1: obviously he still has a long way to go, but you know, took his first steps story. with assistance, and that's awesome.
0: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, pivoting quickly to the NFL before we come back to the other stories, that Miles Garrett incident was insane.
2: Yeah. Part for the course in the NHL, but in the NFL that was a uh that was wild. Did he
0: officially get a number of games or was it just the season of playoffs? Uh, I
2: believe he appealed today. There was just new developments today that came out that he claimed that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur and that's what kind of set off the whole incident. I mean he did not say that in the postgame. game. I mean it wasn't mentioned in the Browns' apology, which he eventually, you know, kind of endorsed and adopted. And it just so happened that during the the appeal that he brought it up, so whether or not that's true, that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, we don't know. But also, I mean, even if he did, does that justify, you know, ripping his helmet off and trying to kill him with it?
0: <laughs> well, I definitely wouldn't condone a racial slur, but, like, there was, there's pretty good evidence against Miles Garrett's claim, and I don't want to discredit it if it is true, but right now, I mean, there's a countersuit. Like, Rudolph already has a lawyer suing him, I think, for the libel. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like the NFL sort of disagreed with Garrett's stance on that as well. Again, and we don't know everything yet, but it does seem unlikely. It seems like right now he might just trying to be pressed for ground here. God, I just so. wish one
2: of them was mic'd up. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the content that that would create. I,
0: the NFL, I honestly, all four major sports really just need to have mics in every player. If not to catch things just for pure fun. I don't know if you guys have ever seen, but there was a video
2: a couple years ago, and it was when Noah Syndergaard threw behind Chase Utley after their uh, playoff series, and Terry Collins came out and argued with one of the umpires, and one of the umpires happened to be wearing a microphone because they were doing some kind of special event with Fox, and just the content that was from that, like, minute-and-a-half exchange between Terry Collins and the umpire and Noah Syndergaard was just... Such, like it was just such high quality entertainment that I've honestly seen the clip about like twenty twenty five times just because it's so hilarious just to see Terry Collins all fired up and seen just seeing like a side of baseball and sports that you don't get to see because you don't get to hear those conversations when you're just watching from home.
0: You know, I've, I've seen the clip you're talking about. It's still funny to this day because they're like so passive aggressively. Like he's like, you know, I got to throw you out here, Terry. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, but you know, I got to fight for my player. It was just really funny. Pivoting back to the NHL, though, there was. There's not a lot of, like, major, major news, but the free fall of some teams is kind of weird. Like, right now, have you seen the standings lately? Either of you? One thing that I want to talk about was the Sharks. Oh, yeah? the
2: Sharks are my team, and they're Western Conference finalists last year, and not doing so hot this year.
0: There is not currently a goalie tandem in the NHL with a worse combined save percentage than Martin Jones and Aaron Dell. Yeah, well, goaltending has always kind of been their weak point,
2: but this year it's just, it's so bad, and... They lost Pavelski in the
0: offseason, too. That, that hurts, because yes. Pavelski was the leader there like after Thornton, for sure.
1: Well, it's okay, because you have Brent Burns and uh, One Eric One-third of Eric Carlson.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was talking to somebody today, and they said Eric Carlson... It's like watching a family-owned dog that like slowly gets older. Like You don't want to admit that it's starting to get past its prime. Like, it's sort of like at the end, but man, he can't turn left. He can't turn left. His ankle doesn't work like that anymore. He lost the range of motion. Like, that's a, that's not good.
1: So is he still considered a top defenseman in the league? Yeah, or? because
0: everything that doesn't have to do with him skating with his left foot is fine. When he is shooting the puck, he's still an elite talent. When he's passing the puck, just last season he sent a three-line pass to somebody. Like, it, it's not that far from to say he could still win the Norse any year. But he's, he's getting burned defensively more than he used to. He used to be able to make up for his average defending with his athleticism. He can't do that anymore. So now he's got to either learn to adapt or be sheltered. And that team is, like, Brent Burns is a terrible defenseman. He's a great offensive defenseman, but he is not strong defensively whatsoever anymore. So it, it's really tough to say what yeah. the Sharks are. And that's a very bad combination when <laughs> you have very poor goaltenders. And not a great defense. <laughs> yeah. Also, the Sharks are in a little bit of trouble because they don't have their first-round pick, and it's not lottery protected. It is with the Ottawa Senators, I think. And everybody thought that that Carlson pick was going to be like a 29, maybe 30. It might be the first overall pick, which I would think would be hilarious. Not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Not for you, for the rest of us, though. Hey, the Sanders need all the help they could get, so. Lafreniere seasoned.
1: Speaking of which, I've heard that there's like another prospect that might be like overtaking him.
0: I don't know if you could hear the anger in my aura right now. I mean,
1: I completely disagree with that. I think Lafreniere is like the best prospect in, since like McDavid.
0: But first I, of all, for now, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a moment here. First of all, Alex Lafreniere is the best prospect since McDavid, like you said. Also, also, he's a sure NHL talent right at the rep. This is the guy who's breaking every QMJHL record known to man. He is the scouts from McKees, I think it is. They pulled a bunch of their head scouts and a good majority said that the talent level between him and number two was too vast to be overcome. Uh, I would say a medium amount of them, like an average of 50% said that it's high right now but there's a chance if number two really steps up. Neither Quinn, Byfield, Lucas Raymond, or Alex Holtz have stepped up enough to surpass Alexis Lafreniere. We go through this every single solitary cycle of draft classes. Will Line pass Matthews? Will Kako pass Jack Hughes? Did any of those guys that went number two go number one? No. Lafreniere will go number one overall.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's just another thing for the media to talk about because it feels like kind of one of those things where it's too obvious that Lafreniere is
0: number one. That they just need something else to talk about. He's the only sure-fire player that's going to play in the NHL next year. Of course, there's never a guarantee, but Lafreniere is as ready as they are. If he plays anywhere but the NHL, to be the AHL. I don't think he's even eligible. Like, Lucas Raymond is a great talent, but he's probably going to stay in Sweden another year. Alexander Holtz is a great talent. He needs development. Quinn yeah, the, Byfield, the only
1: thing with Holtz is that all he could do is score goals. He reminds me a lot of lion a,
0: is that that's all he could do. Well, that's not a problem because he's also scoring against talent. Like the Swedish Hockey League is very, very good. Well, yeah,
1: they have. We know all the defensemen that have come from Sweden,
0: right? So. so, I I can't imagine. I I, I maybe Holtz. I could maybe see Holtz. I don't think Raymond would, and I I know for a fact Quentin Byfield's not not ready yet, and he's a great player too. But like, how many times in the past couple of years have we seen somebody? like Dylan Strom, who wasn't ready get brought up. And then, like, Kirby Dock this year looks great, but how rare is that? A guy who's outside of his draft class getting brought up immediately. Doesn't happen.
1: I mean, Kutra if it took a year or two.
0: Yeah, I mean he was a second round pick, I think not
1: only that, but in his first season he (laughs) got
0: sent back down to the AHL because of how poorly he played. I mean, even uh, like I'm pretty sure if Getty Malkin wasn't an immediate NHLR. and he's like the Russian players are the best that you can get, like at least back then. It takes time, and I guess more to the original point is Alexis Lafreniere will be the first player, but there are some interesting players moving up the draft class. I believe one of them is Jeremy Poirier. He is the one I think everybody's talking about. Plays for Saint John's, had a great interview a couple weeks ago on Thirty One Thoughts with Elliot Friedman. He's got everything that it takes to be an NHL player right away. He's playing in the moment like he's a big name star already. He moved up quite a bit. He's a defenseman, which is very hard to, like, I think he's the best defenseman r- currently since Victor Hedman in the draft, at least this high. Because, I mean, there's obviously been tons of talent from now to then, but looking at how good he is, I really think he's about as good as him.
1: Uh, one player that I really like is Hendrix Lapierre. Hendrix Lapierre is... And that's because his name reminds you of Jimi
0: Hendrix. I legitimately <laughs> think he is
1: a very fun player to watch and keep an eye
0: out on. All day enough, he's a teammate of Jeremy Poirier's. I believe they both play for St. John's. Henry LaPierre is, he's another guy they said was going to top out. I don't think he's going to be a top five pick. I really think he's going to be more like seven or eight. Yeah, right now he's projected at 10. But he's a guy I can see jumping in the NHL right away. Because sometimes those guys with a little bit lower ceiling and a higher floor are more ready. I mean, yeah, we saw that with Nico Heischer. Yes. Nico Heischer, not the most elite player. Still a very high end center. I mean let, let me clarify I mean he he was the first
1: overall pick he's a very good two-way forward he's always had that but he's not like a 120 point player
0: well also as a good example Is you look at what the Flyers did with the next pick Nolan Patrick who was clearly not ready but everybody thought he was He is right now a third-line grinder, and there's still tons of time. He's 21. He's got plenty of time to develop into an elite player, if not just a top sixer. But right now, the Flyers have hurt his development so bad because they rushed him. And that's what happens. And that's why I'm saying right now, I don't think anybody but Lafreniere should be considered for number one. It just wouldn't be right. There was, How do we feel about the number one and number 31 teams? If you don't know, the number one team I think is the Capitals right now by the rankings, and number 31 is the Red Wings. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, the Red Wings, I think, only have one point in the last five games, and they've only got, like, five points since the end of last month.
2: They are currently 7, 13, and 3.
0: Yes, they are all aboard the tank train. They are riding it. And I'm pretty sure the Capitals are either right ahead of the Bruins or tied at the Bruins. They actually are 16 4 and 4 with
2: 36 points, and the Islanders and the Bruins are sitting at 31 points. Okay. Oh, okay, Parker. That was I, I'm
1: sorry. I, I just pulled up a prospect <laughs> that I kind of want to talk about, but I just noticed that we're talking about something else. Well, who's your should. prospect? Um, Liam Kirk. If you've heard of him, the <laughs> Li- English guy?
0: Yeah, Liam Kirk, he is. Okay, so
1: there's a, Like, I read an article about him that he's like the only good English player to appear ever, or something like that. Like with the uh, 2019 IIHF World Championship, where Britain looked like they didn't even belong there, and then it's like, oh, here's Liam Kirk with like a hat trick and stuff like that.
0: Okay, so <laughs> there are two players that have come before him that are a little bit better. Well, that were considered better. One of them was 1967, Anthony Hand was considered the Brit- the Scottish Gretzky. Okay, that was almost that was o- o- over 50 years ago. The other one is Brendan Perlini, who now plays for, I want to say Chicago, but it might be Detroit. And he was drafted in 2014.
1: Yeah, he's with the Detroit right now, but he was also with the Coyotes. With the Coyotes, right. Here. That's
0: when he got picked. And he was the highest-drafted British player of all time. So it'll be interesting about what was with Liam Kirk, he's actually been a lot better than everybody else before him did. Bearing in mind, I think he's still playing in whatever that league is called over there, so you gotta kind of count out against the competition. I guess the only other thing to talk about hockey-wise before we move on is the Taylor Hall sweepstakes. I guess he's not gonna negotiate in-season, and apparently Edmonton is interested in bringing him back. If you're Taylor Hall, do you resign with Edmonton, if, uh, if given the choice? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Would you? Why not? You have Connor McDavid, and you have Leandre Saddle, who are right now have at least like 45 points within the first third of the season. I don't even think we've reached a third point yet, and they're already almost at halfway to 100. Put Taylor Hall there, and you have almost an unstoppable offense.
0: We'll see. I'm curious to see where he goes. Because I I don't think Taylor Hall is as good as most people do. I'm not a big Taylor Hall fan. I think his defense is trash. I don't think he's. I think he was pumped up by a lot of players, but yeah, but
1: we've seen a lot of players play good with no defense. I guess
0: Ovechkin is one.
1: Ovechkin, yeah, all he does is hit people. Um, Malkin's not too good on defense. It's fair. Lionay... Good luck with that. Steven Samkos, for a long time, really struggled with defense. Right now, he's still kind of a defensive liability, but he's gotten a little bit better.
0: (laughs) Love when you say liability for any (laughs) player. I mean, there are plenty of star players who are not great defensively, but we'll see. I guess moving on, because, I mean, obviously, the big news this week was the Leafs, which is still an ongoing situation. We're going to have to find out what happens there. What else has happened in the world of sports? Any any news that we're missing?
2: One thing that I wanted to talk about was the NBA, was uh, Luka Doncic. He has been insane lately. I think he was the youngest player to have back to back thirty-five point triple doubles. And I just think it's crazy because the narrative around him coming into the league was can he compete with the NBA? Because I'm not sure how familiar you guys were with before he came before he was drafted, but a lot of executives believed that he his game in the Euro League was not going to transfer over to the NBA. Which to me is mind-boggling that somehow... How many
1: times have we heard that in the <laughs> NHL?
2: It's mind-boggling to me that somehow the NCAA has convinced not only like the common people, but just NBA executives that the NCAA is, in essence, the second-best basketball league in the world. I mean, here's the guy that uh, was playing against some of Europe's best players and some of America's you know decent players that weren't in the NBA, but they're still very good players and somehow he, they were, the question was, can he do it against college players? And now he's over here, and he's in the NBA, and he had a great rookie season. He was Rookie of the Year, and now he might already be a top 20, top 15 player, and he's only a month and a half into his second season.
1: Yeah, I've heard a few rumors that some people are saving him for way too early MVP predictions with that 30-point <coughs> triple-double he just had
2: last mm-hmm. night. I think he outscored, out-rebounded, and out-assisted the entire Warriors team in the first quarter yesterday, which, I mean, the Warriors are not the Warriors that we're accustomed to, but any time you do that to professional athletes is insane.
0: Right, I mean, they're still an NBA team. Well, one thing I thought was interesting about Doncic is uh, I remember when he got drafted, he played for the Real Madrid team, which obviously Real Madrid is a soccer team, which I'm familiar with. So I thought that was kind of weird that he played for that. It took me a minute, but, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about him. And like you said, he kind of put on a show against Golden State, so...
2: He's insane, and now he's got uh, Christoph Prozingis with him. So they have kind of like a European tandem down in Dallas. Right after uh, they had Turk Nowitzki, who was another European player. So...
1: So what's this about these European players that can't play in the NBA? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, where, where where are all these people at? Hello.
0: <laughs> well, I also saw um, kind of switching gears to the NCAA. James uh, Weissman got a 12 game ban. You're yeah, the Memphis player. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of
2: dumb. But it was uh, so the storyline was that he was originally banned for the season, I believe, and then he appealed. While it was an appeal, he could still play. And then the judge denied his appeal. So then he was banned for the whole season again. And then they switched it. So he plays, he's only sitting 12 games. But I think he also has to pay like an $11,000 fine, which to me is so ridiculous because he doesn't have a salary. Right. So the NCAA is basically saying, hey, you're not supposed to take money and you don't make any money, but also give us money.
0: Yeah. Which I mean, I, he's obviously going to make money in the future, but right now is. Like you said, it's, it's, it doesn't seem very fair. So the NCA is just not not a friend to athletes right now. Because I mean, they
1: when have they ever been friends to athletes?
0: That, I mean, that's fair. Did you? Because they they just recently said they were going to start paying the football players right for their likeness. So you don't get paid, but it's you can make money. Right? Out of yeah. It. Right, right? Yeah.
2: And I believe they just voted to include it in their next meeting. Like it's just part of their agenda. And when they meet in April, I think they have to meet in April and formally vote on it. I think it's just, like, this is their end-of-the-year thing. Like, this is going to be on the docket. So, I mean, like, it's in discussion. I don't think it's 100% set in stone. And even still, you're probably looking at, realistically, I mean, like, Division One athletes. You're not, like, a Division Two or Division Three athlete isn't going to be getting any sponsorships or, or deals or nothing that's going to be substantial.
0: Right, right. There was one other thing I wanted to get to today, which was... Um as everybody here knows, uh, soccer. So I, I can see Parker sort of... Yeah, you're excited, right? You're excited. <laughs> as long as it's
1: about Croatia, I'm happy.
0: It's definitely not about Croatia. Um, well, I'm not happy. This will pertain to my team. And it's only news because it's big news. Tottenham Hotspur sacked Marisa Pochettino. Had a great run there. Didn't get a success. We're 14th in the table right now. But the big news is that immediate less than 12 hours later, they hired Jose Mourinho, which if, even if you don't know soccer, you probably know the name Jose Mourinho. This guy, when he did his first press conference as a new manager over a decade and a half ago, called himself the special one. He knows what talent is. He voiced the Pope in a Portuguese documentary about Jesus. I mean, this is, this is a guy who has seen some things. And as a Hotspur supporter, I am so excited for what is... It, going to be a beautiful nightmare it's going to be a, a disaster but it's going to be a beautiful one and i can't wait to watch it
2: I, I really love that term sacked can we adopt that in american sports we really should of, instead
0: of instead of fired yeah. or
2: let go like our our manager or our coach was sacked can we please adopt that
1: i if this coach is as good as he said he is how come
0: he was unemployed he, so he is <laughs> very poor he is considered uh, even on his i don't know like on his wikipedia he is considered to be the best coach one of the best coaches of all time, and he is the best coach of his generation, hands down. The reason he's not wasn't currently employed by a team was that the last team he coached, he's very flamboyant. He left the media scrum demanding respect. He held up three fingers, said, "This is how many trophies I've won," and this is he held up two fingers, said, "This is how many trophies the rest of the league has won," and he walked out demanding respect. Then he got fired. He. So, we're talking about the John Tortorella of soccer. No, we are talking about. Oh, past that. We are talking way beyond that. I don't know if there's anybody even comparable to Jose Mourinho. This guy is very. If you know soccer, you know Zlatan Ibrahimovic, probably. He is Zlatan as a manager. Like, he is so. He, he's very sure of himself. He's a very good manager, very tactically sound. Like, he is the best tactical mind in soccer. He knows how to switch formations and get players to play other players off. It's incredible to watch. It's just usually a gong show because he just benches players he doesn't like. He benched Paul Pogba for no reason. He basically said that Paul Pogba is trash right in the media. Like I said, it's going to be a disaster, but it's going to be a beautiful disaster, and I can't wait to watch it. So, like I said, it'll be interesting. I know you don't probably have any thoughts on this, but I just want to put that out there.
1: I mean, calling Paul Pogba trash is very... uh that's bold.
0: I'm really surprised you know who Paul Pogba is.
1: I remember him from French team. Oh, that's, that's right. Croatia. I that's will right. never forget that name.
0: <laughs> that's right. So before we wrap today, I had a little game I didn't tell you about this beforehand. You're, you're going to play along too, Kevin. We like to play around with Parker here on the show. So I have the Croatian national team here, and we're going to see how many players. I'm going to give you two names, and you need to tell me if it's a real player or if it's a fake player, Okay. Kevin, you're welcome to participate too. Because I know you're not a big soccer fan either, right?
2: I just want to see if I can get more than Parker. That
0: is my that's what I was gonna say is I want to see if you can get more.
2: Someone who has no familiarity at all with the Croatian national team, if I can get more
1: than Parker, I, I guess I'm retiring, I would <laughs> say. <saying. laughs>
0: okay. So you ready? Yep. <clears throat> Mateo Kovacic or Mateo Kovalenko, which is the real player? Kovacic.
2: I feel like I'm gonna go with him, Cavages. Okay, you that got was pretty, that one that was right.
0: Fast. Okay, we're gonna do like five. All right, all right let me answer first because I feel like yes. Parker
2: answers because that one he gave it away with how fast he answered. Okay,
0: Arturo Arnotovic or Simi Versalko? Uh, the second one. I'm not even okay. gonna try to butcher Versalko. <laughs> okay, Parker, I'm proud of you, your two for two, and you are also right. Bernie Perkovich or Bruno Petkovich? I'm trying to give it away with my eyes, too, so you don't see. I'm trying to fake it out a little bit. So don't use that as a hint. We're going to go with option A. Okay. Petkovic. Petkovic. Proud of you, Parker. You got, you're you leading right now. you got two more. <laughs> okay. He pulls in front. All right. So, Parker, I need you to close your eyes, because I don't want you to look while I keep this here. <clears throat> Even Rakitic or Ivan Rakitic? You can go first, Kevin.
2: Uh... I'm gonna go with Ivan. Okay, he butchered the pronunciation. Was is, is it e- Ivan or
0: Ivan Raketic. or Ivan Rakitic? Uh, I feel like Ivan Rakitic. Okay. Raketic. Okay, Parker, you are four for four. I'm very proud of you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've got a 50%. So I feel like that's uh, high quality for not knowing any <laughs> Croatia players.
0: I'm gonna give you three. You need to get the ne- you need to get at least two. So this is the final one. <clears throat> Domagoj Viada... Luka Modric and Zerti Petrovic so Kevin go first <laughs> I don't even remember <laughs> I like that he goes <laughs> I'm not even going to try to butcher these names that was my favorite part
2: yeah I'm just not even going to attempt this
0: one okay so who, who, who's the real Barker? Modric okay that, that's our little game
1: Listen, I know my Croatia players.
0: I'm very surprised. I also think if I had written this down a little bit better beforehand, I would have gotten you in a couple. Kevin, you you did admirably. okay?
2: Two out of five. Two
0: out of five. One one of them was fake because Parker gave me a hint, but you know what? I should have given you Luka Doncic just for fun. (laughs) I think he's Slovenian, isn't he? Oh, I
2: don't... I think
0: so, yeah. Okay.
1: Kovacic is probably one of the better players that we have that's just on the bench that we sub in. Yeah. I feel like he should be a starter at this point, but... Hey, hey,
0: listen, next year, I think we have the games again because Euro 2020. Yep. Croatia, baby, let's go. So, I guess that's it for today. So that's our season four opener? Yeah. Thank you all again for listening. Crazy,
1: yeah. This is our 21st episode. We would have had something special for
0: the 20th episode if our producer let us know.
1: Yeah, what can I say? I'm just busy with college.
0: (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Aren't we Um, all? (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, you know, we're very happy with how this show has come out. It was just an idea a little over a year and a half ago that we were going to start, and here we are. Pretty fun. We have had a lot of guests.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild, and we're going to be approaching our one-year anniversary next month. That's, I didn't think we would get this far again as Chris said just sort of start off as a pet project we just wanted to do for fun because you know we both love sports and we're in a friend group that we all just love sports and talk about it all the time and yeah, you know, I think it's a lot of fun to just record it and talk about it
0: yeah and we like to use our voice for good too when there's obviously moments like we've had in the past we had that uh, soccer player who passed away and of course we have like you know talking about November and stuff we want to use our voice for good too not just for a terrible opinions and hot takes but yeah for the, for the most part, that's what it is. Well,
1: obviously the hot takes are the biggest yeah. things, though. That's what the, where the clicks yes. come from. But, I mean,
0: but, but we do we thank everyone too. for listening the whole time and, again, for listening to this show. So thank you all for listening to season four. Can't wait to get another season in the books. And, of course, we'll have our holiday episode coming up. This season will be both a little longer and a little shorter. We're going to have one more episode than normal, but it'll also be delayed a little bit because of the holiday season. So scheduling will be a little different, but that's to be expected. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of food
1: comas in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Can't right. Wait.
0: So we're going to try to come back sometime next week after I come back from the Great White North to visit friends of the show, um, Aaron and Penny. So should be a lot of fun. But thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And once again, make sure you check out our brand new home over at castbox.fm and search out daft Picks. So. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for joining us, Kevin. Thank you so cool. much for having Thank
1: me, Kevin. Always a pleasure to have you on. You're Thank welcome you. anytime.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, keep it locked.
1: All right. See you.